Katie Kempner, and welcome to Perspectives, which is a series of inspiring conversations with remarkable working women. And I am really excited today to be talking with Sherry Day Scott. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for being here. You know, we we met through um, through a client, and I saw you speak, and I was absolutely blown away by everything you were saying, and just your dynamic energy. So I'm so pleased that you are taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you. I'm blushing. That, that's <laughs> so loving women complimented women. It means so much. You know, I, I I make an effort on a regular basis, right, to to compliment another woman because it works. You see me smiling now, so thank you for that. It, it really does work, and especially when they're you, you know. There are some people that they give so many compliments that you know that that they don't really mean it. And then right. I think when people give genuine compliments that they really mean, which I really meant, then they feel great and you feel good about it. So, uh, so yes, you're very, very welcome. I could say a lot of other things. You can't see Sherry, but she also is really beautiful. <laughs> so, okay, let us start by just, I, there's a couple of things I want to talk about, but maybe we could start just a little bit about your career trajectory and and how you got to where you are at Public uh, Broadcasting Atlanta. Absolutely. So, you know, my role at WABE is this culmination of everything I've done in my professional career. I'm, I'm a writer by passion, um, heart, and trade and craft. Um, I trained as a journalism, I trained as a, in journalism, um, worked as a journalist. My first job out of college was associate editor at D Magazine, which is the city magazine in Dallas. I grew up in Texas. And then from there, um, was the editor-in-chief of QSR Magazine, which is a trade magazine that covers food service. And I always say my time at QSR was my MBA. Um, just because there's so many components, it's, you know, who knew, but so many components involved in food service from supply chain to HR to of course, marketing and advertising, um, you know, um, lobbying and, you know, how laws get passed and packaging and all these things. So it really was, I said, you know, my MBA. But then I became a working mom and had moved to Atlanta. The magazine was based in North Carolina. And for about a year, I had been commuting every two weeks with my son up to North Carolina to be in the office and and really felt that like that was a and it was, it was very progressive of, of my publisher at the time. It, it, it truly was. And I give him so much credit because, you know, he's a, you know, a good Southern man. So the fact that he was like, of course, but that got old very quickly. Right. Um, traveling with my son, you know, getting on the airplane, packing up the things, you know, so I knew I needed to roll in Atlanta and made a switch over to Weber Shandwick and PR, of course, working on the food service accounts and, working for Coca-Cola, um, Racetrack, which is a, a C-store brand uh, throughout the Southeast, and really all of our food service clients. Um, loved that work. And again, was able to pull in still doing the writing, but got to stretch a little more creatively from the visual perspective and be a little more strategic than I had gotten to be at, as a magazine editor, which I loved. Don't get me wrong. It was awesome. But using different kind of um, skills. The, the main thing was that this whole time, this is this is the, the joke of this all, the whole time I wanted to be in film, film and TV. I My senior year at SMU, the journalism program at SMU is in the art school, which tells you a lot about how SMU views you know, journalism. 
<laughs> you know, and I'm like, this not it's us and ballet and you know, <laughs> and you're like, sure, sure. Um, but I had to you had to take a class outside of your major and I took a documentary film class second semester of my senior year, you know, just because it was a blow-off class and just really fell in love with the idea of filmmaking. I had a fantastic professor who just talked a lot about that. So long story short, told my dad I, I wanted to stay and get another major in film. And he laughed because, you know, I was at SMU almost done and he was like, we're wrapping this up. So I say this to say, while I was, you know, going down this path of, you know, publishing and marketing, I was always doing film and TV on the side. And so this job at WABE, where I'm the SVP of marketing and comms, it allows me to dabble in, still dabble in that film and production side and bring in people who I really love and like right into the station and help them use public media as a conduit to get their work and ideas out. And then it's what I'm really great at on this marketing and strategic thinking side. And, you know, I have fun doing it because it's the melding of both worlds. You know, that's so important because people spend so much time at work. And now that means something a little bit different because a lot of times they're working from home. So, you know, everything and not always, but, you know, they're blended all together. And I, I really believe the people that I talk to and the women that I talk to, if you can find something that you enjoy and you have fun doing, it changes things so drastically than if you're doing something you you really deep down just do not like. Right. It is, it's been, um, I'm, I'm incredibly full of gratitude for this role, you know, and I, I tell people all the time, I, I love my job, you know, and I don't mean that you know, flippantly, I, I I say it because it's from a place of gratitude. I really do. It's mission-based. You know, who doesn't want to be working on something mission-based, right? It's mission-based. Um, again, it gets to meld these worlds of production and TV and podcasting and film, radio, right? With these skills that I've spent the last, you know, 20 years developing. And, and it's for a city. I love Atlanta. Um, I'm a transplant by choice. I moved here in 2006. And so again, it's just, it just feels very satisfying to me to be able to use my skills and connections to amplify a city that I love in a medium that I true, especially now, you know, we were, we were chatting earlier about the role of public media, um, particularly in the, in these times and, you know, people it's, you know, the, a free press is part of our content. Like that is a, foundational part of who we are as a country and a society and public media at this point is really in some ways the last bastion of what we consider the free press you know for example you know my station doesn't run political ads right so the news that we report is just truly the facts right Um, my station is 84 percent community funded so we're not beholden to advertisers, right? We're not corporate owned so that we can ask tough questions or we can work with community partners across the board. And, and more importantly, I think we're able to give people, allow people to feel a direct connection to their government, right? They, they in a lot of ways, feel like we are the platform mm-hmm. where their voices can be heard. You know, people talk a lot about giving voice to the voiceless and that's not that's not what public media is. Public media is a platform that you as a community have created, right, to get to say your piece. 
which is so important in such a divisive time and with such divisive media to have the, you know, to have a platform to do that is really phenomenal. Well, talking about um, communities and Atlanta and people having a voice, when I first met you, it was because you were talking about something, a phenomenon that you created and I was completely blown away by it called Big Facts, Small Acts. Can you talk about it, please, what it was, what it is, how it started? Absolutely. So Big Facts, Small Acts was a community, um, really grassroots um, community arts program or arts movement to spread the word about COVID in Atlanta's black and brown communities. It started in the early days of the pandemic. And really, it was this idea that Again, coming from this marketing and advertising background and really understanding how government works, understanding that any kind of PSAs about masking up, social distancing, all those things, it was going to take weeks to get into the community, right, just because of red tape. So I rallied some friends who were artists, and we started with yard signs, right, just using CDC basic messages. And also, again, Understanding, again, that journalism background, taking big ideas and putting it into eighth grade language, mm-hmm. right? So I knew what social distancing meant. Like, what does that mean, right? Like, we're using all these CDC terms that are, you know, very clinical. So taking those terms, taking the information from the CDC, translating it in some ways into these social ready or bite-sized nuggets, putting those in yard signs, having a social and web component. And then our friends at Chemistry, because they are amazing and have backed any any kind of nonprofit work I've done here in Atlanta um, got involved and amplified it even further by bringing in artists to start covering up masks and mur- start masking up murals across the Southeast. And again, really the idea was specifically speaking to black and brown communities because we knew we were, that was, our communities were being hit more than anyone else. I mean, 44% of black owned businesses closed between February and April of 2020. Like that's 40 40- Four percent, you know, like that's so. And it was COVID. It was just people were getting sick, and so, yeah. It, I think what I learned from that is the power of community, the power of art. You know, like arts education. You know, y'all, we we've got to figure out how to find funding and continued funding for arts because it it worked. It worked. It started conversation. Um, it allowed us to move quickly. You know, melding again that that kind of corporate strategic mindset with grassroots community work that we know has always worked, right? Has always worked. It's kind of amplifying what's good. And I think also having seen the cam the campaign, it was bringing everything together in a way. And please forgive me at a t- ahead of time for saying this because this is a totally overused marketing word, but it really is true. It was authentic. It was an authentic message to the community shared in creative ways, as you say, but it was really genuine. And the artists that were involved came from a really genuine place. And place of love. Yeah. You know what? Until you said that, Katie, I, <laughs> I, it's silly, but I'm about to get up a little bit. You're right. Because it really was, I think it was very obvious that it came from a place of love. Like we love, I love my community, right? I want I, part of the reason I moved to Atlanta is because I just really have a deep love and appreciation for the Black community here, right? Or just Black culture. And 
you know, just seeing it being decimated that way by that disease really was, and I cannot, again, from a gratitude that my circle is also full of people who came from a place of love and wanting to be like, let's protect each other. So this is just a, a lighthearted thing after I'm um, talking about that, but if someone goes to Atlanta, so I've been to Atlanta now just a few times. Are there a few things that they should see? Oh my gosh, there's so many things. The High Museum is awesome. Like I love to get just even by myself dressed up and go to the High. You can definitely wear jeans, but it is just a beautiful place. You know, Black Panther used it, right? Like that's the the museum that for the oh, London. Really? That's really the High. So you know, you've already seen it and loved it. Uh, Piedmont Park is amazing. It is the Oglethorpe firm who also designed Central Park, um, designed Piedmont Park. And they're really on a good, I wouldn't do it in August, you know, <laughs> or October. But there's nothing more beautiful than a sunset there. Um, we have an amazing belt line that goes around the whole entire city. I prefer the west side of it. Don't tell everybody. But um, great food. You can, it's, again, lots of art. You can see historical Black Atlanta. Um, I'm a big fan of the aquarium. You now, like I understand, not everyone you know loves an aquarium, but my son wants to be a marine biologist, so we have a very special kind of um, just connection to that place. And then I think too, you know, I am a big fan of the Inman Park area. You can just kind of walk around. Great restaurants, great boutiques. Um, one of my favorite is a place called Bridge Boutique. They have beautiful Tracy Reese dresses. Mm. And, yeah, I know, with pockets, of course. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a it's a really fabulous city. And if you're hiking, there's a there's mountains within 45 minutes. We have the Chattahoochee River, which you can go canoeing on. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this city. Amazing. Well, I would like to say, state for the record, I am currently wearing a dress with pockets. I agree. And the aquarium is great. Who does not love the aquarium? <laughs> Who doesn't love an aquarium overall? But the Atlantic <laughs> Aquarium is amazing. I was there with my son once on this long, um, it was a long field trip that we took several days from Miami, his whole class. I was yeah. a chaperone, which one time of doing that was enough, but <laughs> I digress. <laughs> but, you know, but talking about being a mom and being a single mom, um, I definitely won't say balance because people will reach out and hit me. But although I personally happen to like the word balance, I don't think it's anything that's necessarily achievable. But but how do you how have you figured out? And I was a single mom for a long time myself. How have you figured out the cadence of your life being a very involved mother and also being clearly very involved in your work? I will say I have an amazing co-parenting relationship with my ex-husband and his wife. So, you know, that's key um, for me. And, you know, we very much parent in tandem and and are flexible with each other. So that helps a lot. And then I, I had a really great mom who had given me a fantastic blueprint of what raising an independent, caring, conscious person looks like. And so... The balance part, you're 100% right. You know, I, I don't have a problem with that word, but I think even surfers, you know, I was a gymnast for a while. Like it, it is an active thing, right? To stay balanced, right? It is an active thing. Um, and just giving myself a lot of grace 
I think has been a big key of it, right? My mom always said, moms feel two major emotions. It's guilt and love and to always lean into the love, you know? And I and it's true, the guilt's always there. You know, I see moms who are like, I've, I'm not the mom who's keeping up with what's happening at the PTA or like understands the politics of what's happening at school, right? I'll get you there on time. You'll have your stuff. You know, I'll send, I'll put a note in your lunch, right? But I'm just not that mom. I'm lucky because my son's stepmom is, so that's awesome. But I'm not that mom, but I do know that I'm the mom who, you know, read to him every night as a kid and who is very conscious that he wants to be a marine biologist and has done research in those areas. And then two, I've been bringing him along. Like he's, you know, he knows he's number one in my life, but he also understands that I have a life and I give him that same autonomy. It's interesting because he's 14 now, right? So he very much is now into that autonomy where I'm like, let's hang out, you know? And he's like, yeah, thanks to be a lady. I have friends. <laughs> And having to like check myself and being like, you know, never once in, in my son's life has he ever made me feel guilty. Um, you know, he's always just kind of rolled with it with our lives. Right. And so I need to give him that same grace and autonomy. Right. That, you know, he's. I always tell him being his mother is one of my favorite parts of myself. And I learned that from my mom, right? That it's it's not everything, right? Being a mother is not everything of who I am, but it is 100% uh, one of my favorite parts of myself. And I tell him all, all the time. He knows he's loved and I feel like that's like the best I can do. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think you articulated everything so well. And I feel that same way about my kids. I have a son and a daughter who are grown now, they're in their early 20s. And I think you were, you have been and continue to be, everything I know about you, an amazing role model to your son. And to me, I think that's a little bit more important than being the most active member of the PTA, but that's how I, you know, raised my kids as well. So um, they're, Two more quick things I'd love to ask you. And um, one is if people want to listen to public broadcasting Atlanta or they want to see some of the things that you're doing, what's the best way to follow to follow the station? Absolutely. The best way to follow the station is wabe.org. Our podcasts are there, our shows. We have this great show. We have a show, Love and Respect with Killer Mike. So Killer Mike has a, a conversation series, talk show. On PBS, like think about that. Like that, that's what we're trying to do, right? And and he, it's perfect for him because that's exactly he, you know he's an intellectual. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah, so you can see Love and Respect the Killer Mike on wab.org. Um, if you're an arts fan, and you know Atlanta influences everything, you know our arts, our music, like you know we our politics. So you know if you do want to keep up with that epicenter, because I think in a lot of ways Atlanta represents America. Um, there's a lot of transplants. So there's all this microcosm of cultures coming together. It's an international city. The Port of Savannah makes us a major global hub. So I think if you, you know, that's why you're seeing NPR come down here. Um, my station has put 260 stories plus, right, into NPR National because of the focus on Atlanta. So yeah, wab.org is probably the best place to get all of that great stuff. 
And then always follow us on social at WABATL for the fun things. You know, we have a music series, um, Sounds Like ATL, that's very, it's our version of Austin City Limits. Because again, it's Atlanta. You know, we're known for music. So just that's part of the fun I get to have is like, how do we amplify Atlanta's culture um, here and then beyond the city? That's exciting. Okay, so one final question. Sure. Is there one piece of advice that has really helped you through your life and your career that you could share with us? Yes. Um, do not suffer assholes. Um, and sometimes you're the asshole, right? Like, so you check yourself is, is do not allow it. And, and, you know, it's always, it's a respect, but you can still respectfully, right? Push your boundaries and all the, not push your boundaries, but put forth your boundaries. But I have learned the minute that you let someone exhibit bad behavior is a cancer to a team, right? It's a cancer to a project. Um, and, and usually it's coming from a place where they're unhealthy, unhappy anyway. So it's, it's do not suffer it. You know, the minute you have to root it out. And some, as I said, sometimes it's you. So, <laughs> Jerry, I have heard hundreds of women give advice and even pretty much similar, but never quite in that way. That was wonderful. <laughs> Very good advice. And so nice to spend time with you. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time to you. Have a great day. You too. 